And good evening, our fellow lovers of love, for another excursion down the stream of consciousness. And good evening, and holy crap, that's why is that open? <laughs> well, that was interesting intro. Uh, there was a window open. I should have caught it when there was already a viewer before we even started that I had left the window open. And so, anyway, if I'd have done the smart thing and turned down my volume, I would never have known. But, anyway, where was I? Ah, the, on to the, the stream of consciousness. This is on towards the river of love. Anyway, it's been an interesting week here. We've got, uh, you've got your little coloring, yes, your coloring I've, cubicle, I've, your I've, painting I've, cubicle. I've been doing watercolor paintings, yes. So I can't call it a spot. It's a cubicle. It's kind of a cubicle over there. I'm very amateur. I do sunsets. I work with blues. I, I've been doing trees. My trees are terrible. It's the journey. It's not the result. Yes. It's the point of this. Yes. Well, there's only one way I'm going to get better is that I practice. So I've been practicing trees. And who gets to decide, you know, what's better? It's You do. It's yes. The, it's the journey. It's, you know, you're not going to pick it up. No one's going to pick up watercolors and become Picasso. It's not going to happen. No. 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 It's been years. It's been years. I've never been very good at it, but I enjoy doing it. And it's, and it's a creative outlet. That's... I, I think about what I'm going to paint. I sit down. I try and recreate it while still being open to what may happen with the watercolors. Yeah, well, because a, a flick of the wrist may change what you end up painting. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, you never know. But it's the journey is the important part, not the end result. It's, exactly. It's the journey because you can it's look at it. Well, I screwed that one up. It's the process. You know, you might find a painting that you screwed up and then throw it away, but it doesn't matter. You enjoyed yourself for 20 minutes or half an hour or an hour or whatever it was. I saved them all. I've got them all in a book so I can see my progress. Oh, well, see, I'm not afraid to throw stuff away. I'm not afraid to fail. So at this stage, I used to be. So I don't want anybody to misunderstand. It was a long process to get to the point where I'm not afraid to fail. But it's just that, ah, just part of the journey. And, you know, some, some failures you might keep and other failures you might say, well, I, this one's, there's no point in keeping this one. <laughs> Take it out and throw it away just because there's no point. It doesn't mean anything. It became something. Yeah. yeah. It depends. That's my process. It's not anybody else's process. You know, everybody has their own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not afraid to fail. So for me, throwing something out, but I'm also not a painter. I don't see the pictures in my head and I swear that has something to do. I have the artistic count, you know, the artistic sense of a banana slope. I just don't have it. I think it's because I don't see the visuals in my head. I don't see the picture in my head. I build it. And so, yeah, see, I have a sunset in mind yeah. when, when I'm sitting down before I sit down, I have an idea. No, I can explain I have a, a I have a visual. 
I don't have a visual. I can explain it. I can tell you exactly what happens during the sunset, and I can tell you about the different colors and that depending upon the lights and how much moisture is in the sky and how much dust in the sky will depend on the colors. And there can be some great oranges and purples and all the various, you know, but it, yeah, but it's, I don't have a picture. I can just tell you. I can relate. I know all this stuff happened. I've seen them. <laughs> so I know, but I can't. Yeah, I don't have a picture. Okay. I'm a sunset, which makes it hard to draw a sunset. Because what do you draw? Which one am I drawing? I don't know. I don't just have one pop into my head. I have all of them pop into my head. And so you have to choose one. Well, how the hell do you choose one of all the various sunsets that are possible? Well, I think about what colors I want to work with that day. Do I want to work with blues? Do I want to work with pinks? Do I want to work with oranges? Yeah, see, I have no artistic, I have no artistic sense, but that's just me. My art comes in a different form. My art, I suppose, comes with talking to people and understanding, make, be able to make complex things simplified. You do that exceedingly well. That's its own art form. You know, art manifests itself in many, many ways. Okay, so what do we have on our agenda today? There is a lot. Yeah, we have a lot. To, so, actually, we wanted to start, because I actually kind of have them in somewhat of an order. So, over here. Okay. So, how about the 18 invaluable pieces of advice that they received from therapists? Because some of these were pretty good. I kind of, I went through it. Um, again, this is over at the Mighty, and you can just list best advice from therapists. So you can just find it over at the Mighty. Um, for those of you who might be interested. Um, so the best advice, your feelings are not facts. Yeah, if I had known that at 14. Uh, <laughs> who knows that at 14? Or even before that. Well, I think most people know that at a young age. They understand that their feelings are disconnected. It's people with anxiety disorders and these kind of things. It's your feelings and your, it becomes... Strange witches, bro. Clearly misinterpret the world differently than everybody else. So there's something. Now, whether it's feelings versus facts or something else, the way you interpret your feelings is screwed up. But anyway, yeah, feelings are facts. This is true. But your feelings are real, but they're not facts. There's a, there's a fine line there. Yeah, because you're they're real. They're happening to you. So your feelings are clearly real. They're valid. Yes, it's just okay. You may not understand what's actually happening. Again, back to the distorted perception of the world with an anxiety disorder. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm in fight or flight mode. Well, I'm going to interpret a lot of the world differently than someone who's just in walking down the street mode. You know, <laughs> you're just going to interpret things differently. And I got the doom and gloom brain. Yeah, and on the bipolar, and so you never know if you're the manic happy or the sad depressed day. <laughs> you know, when you had dealing with the bipolar issues, it's you go between those two. Yes. That's got its own issues. And so you don't have those much anymore, so that's nice. I don't have the manics 
some of my attending more. My meds are working very well. I'm very happy with them. So that's yeah, that's the benefit. That's the plus because those are hard. Yes. Yeah. You have my permission to take a nap. Yes, because your biggest uh, what is it? The biggest organ that uses the most energy is not your muscles, it's your, it's your brain. It's your brain. Yeah. Yes. Type stop trying to make lifers out of seasonal relationships. That's true. It's not your fault. <laughs> fault is probably the wrong word. It is your responsibility. It may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And that's a hard one to wrap your head around. You're, it's not your fault the way you are. The things that have happened to you are not your fault, but it is your responsibility to do something with it. Yes. You know, and you don't want to be hard on yourself, but there's, it's a fine line to walk. But anyway, don't be afraid to disconnect. Now tell me about that one. Um, <laughs> take time for yourself, put your needs first. Yes, that's, that. Whew, man, your family and friends will still love you when you say no. This is, Yes, they still love you. Yeah, that's a hard one for people to get. That people, you know, saying no is okay. And that may become from a fear of rejection. And we all kind of have it. And if that fear of rejection gets um, amplified at some point in your life, then you can be afraid to say no. Yeah. And oddly enough, there's a discussion here on later on that I put in late that kind of talks about that. But so we'll, we'll have to maybe push that one up early. Um, stop holding on to friendships just because you have a history. It's a little okay. It's a little okay to let go of friendships that no longer serve you. No, I take issue <laughs> with this one a little bit. A little bit. If the relationship is harming you, then you have every right to get away. Yeah. But you cannot be selfish. Relationships are. You cannot. Well, this relationship no longer serves me, but. It served you for a long time, and maybe it's your turn to take, you know, maybe that person helped you out, did more, carried more of the load in that relationship than you realized, and maybe it's your turn to carry the load for a little while. Yes. And so I get what they're saying. If a relationship is harmful to you, then by all means, you have every right, maybe even a responsibility to, to walk away, to end it, or to disconnect, or however you want to describe it. But if you're related, if that person has helped you and this just, it's no longer a plus, but it's not a negative either. It's kind of a neutral. You have an obligation. You've created yeah, an obligation. You've created a friendship. It's more than just convenience. It's more than just what you get out of it. That's what makes you a kind, compassionate human being. Now, but again, the caveat is if it's a negative impact, if it's negatively affecting you, then you always have the right to get away from things that are negatively impacting you or change its re change its role. There's, you know, there's other options. <laughs> it's not, it's not a light switch. It's okay to unfollow people in real life. This is, yep. This is true. I wish. You can see what I see when I look at you. You are one badass, beautiful woman. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> the advice 
from a counselor. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I guess maybe she overpersonalized that particular statement. Yes. She just she didn't depersonalize that, and we know how that can happen. Yes, we do. And so that's an interesting one. Um, I'm not sure how to reply. Stick stick to your boundaries. Yes, but constantly monitor where your boundaries are because your boundaries can change, and sometimes those changes are good, and sometimes they're bad. But you have to be aware of them. You evolve, we change, our boundaries change. Clearly they do. But, you know, sometimes that change is good, sometimes it's not. But in order to know, you have to pay attention. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so that's all. Just so sticking to your boundaries is good. Just, you know, be aware that as you evolve, your boundaries will as well. Stop lying to yourself. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Lying to the rest of the world is meaningless. Lying to yourself is the hard part. You, know, you got to stop lying to yourself before you can stop lying to the rest of the world. Because you don't even know you're lying to the rest of the world until you stop lying to yourself. That's very true. Because you've literally fooled yourself. So, I've been there. So, you know, it is what it is. Many people will not like your no, and that's okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the way life is sometimes, homie. <laughs> you have to stop looking at the proper empathetic response from those you know and love. Yeah, you got to stop. It's expectation. Well, that's an expectation, yes. Stop. I want this person to re respond this way. Well, yeah, but what's the actual chance of them responding the way that's in your head? Even if you know them very well, they may have had a bad day. They may have had a good day, and or in the response, or maybe they've evolved, and you're no longer going to see the issue the way you think they will. Your map of them isn't accurate. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's just let people have the response. Give people the same thing you want. You want the freedom to be who you are without expectations, arbitrary expectations. Well, guess what? You've got to grant them. It's not so easy, is it? Give people some slack. <laughs> the point is, cut people the same slack you want people to cut you. You know, that's how empathy works. Yes. Until tolerance and compassion. That's how it works. You can't expect more from the other person than you're willing to give yourself. Can't expect more compassion and understanding from them than you are willing to give them. It's a saying. Vulnerability and weakness are interchangeable. They are two different things. Yes. And that's not actually a helpful statement, though. Without actually having the longer discussion about what those two things are, you're not actually helping anybody. Because they can mirror each other. 
You're going to look damn the same. You can. Yes. And sometimes what appears weak is actually strength. It's just what you're fighting against is huge. And you don't understand what you're actually fighting against. And so it's hard to understand. I mean, for a long time, they treated me as the depression instead of anxiety, which, of course, failed because you're treating the wrong freaking thing. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> I was treated for depression for a long time before they, I finally stumbled on bipolar myself in a diagnostic book and I took it to a counselor and said, hey. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's a really bad idea to diagnose yourself, but, you know. <laughs> well, I checked it out with someone, you know, yeah. I had my suspicions. You know, and I asked somebody with some letters behind their name, you know. Yeah, and well, the, there's still the question with me. Is it something like Asperger's syndrome or is it anxiety disorder? It's actually an open question, especially with my son having autism. It's, there's an open question. Well, of course, the point was, it doesn't matter. Not really. Not at this stage. Treatment is an anxiety disorder works. So you treat that. What else are you going to do? Yeah. Because oddly enough, it's the same, more or less, treatment. It's not really a treatment. It's (laughs) so much of it as it is. Understanding yourself and learning how to Yeah, make that work in the real world. <laughs> that's just, that's the hard part. The hard part is learning that at 35 instead of 15, 10. That's the hard part. Anyway, Del Dot. You have to teach people how to treat you. Well, that's rude. Um... You have to I see again, it goes back to you're controlling other people. Why are you trying to control other people? I, I don't and I don't think that's what they mean, but Well, I think they mean like respecting your boundaries. Yes, you have to teach people what your boundaries are, but that's not what that says to me. And maybe it's the way I read things. Maybe it's my oppositional desire to, to you know that that just rings a little. You have to teach people how to. It's not my job to teach people how to be. It's my job to have a relationship with people, and people who want to have a relationship will evolve. It will find its own thing. You know, again, it goes back to the we want respect, but we don't want to give it. What happens if they have the same thing? So you got two people trying to teach the other person <laughs> rather than have build a relationship. 
I can see what you're talking about. Your frame of mind is is different. What happens if two people with opposing anxiety disorders try to teach each other how it's not going to go well? <laughs> no, it's not going to go well. So the, the, I kind of get it. I just don't like how they framed it. It's um, I, maybe I'm being pedantic. Alright, protect your peace and sanity no matter who you have to cut off. That's all. That's a given. Yeah, you've got to protect yourself. You have the right to change your mind. Yes, because mm. you're well change your mind. You well evolve. Actually, I like this. I would wish you would start to say that change your mind. You have the right to evolve. You have the right to become different than what you are. You're not really changing your mind, you're evolving. It's not like I want hamburger for dinner and then all of a sudden at the last minute decide you want chicken. That's changing your mind. We're talking about evolution here of, of thoughts and mindsets. And <laughs> it's not the same thing. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just wish we'd change that because it's not changing your mind. You're evolving. Yes, you're growing. And no is a full sentence. This is true. When you grow, you change. Yeah, and the last one is I like it works especially well for children. Is no is a full sentence. No, because they want to get in and they want to start arguing with you and having a conversation about it. Yes. The answer is no. I was rude as a as a parent, but you know, I as there was a long time I was essentially a senior parent for a while. And so, you know, the children would come in, hey dad, no. Now what do you want? Well, and it was just to change the mindset, because you know how the mindset of children and teenagers are. They get in their head how a conversation is gonna go. And so and so they think it's gonna go the way they want it to go. And so and you snap it into their brain, into this thing called reality. Before. Now, I would always give them, if I can give them what they asked for, I, can, I will. Or if there's some, you know, it's not, I don't say no for no reason. I just want to set their expectations into something called reality before we have the actual conversation. And so there's, hey, Dad, can we? No. Now, what is it you want? Well, I wanted to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Who's bringing you guys home? Or who's getting there? What's, you know, whatever the deal was. I'm not, you know, but the answer was no, right at the start. No, no, I want your expectation is no. Now let's discuss it. They respected that in the long run because it avoided a lot of those arguments that people had as teenagers. I didn't have them. Because, you know, you know, they knew that, A, I'd, they would get a fair hearing. But they also knew that I had no problem saying that. Yeah. And it's no skin off my back. You put, you're going to be mad at me. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I wish you wouldn't be mad at me. I wish you'd understand. But, you know, hey, it's life. As a parent, your job as a parent isn't to be liked. Except, which is going to bring us to this. 
which I don't understand. There's a the Cora one. There's an 11 year old. It's a Cora thing, and I don't know where I picked this one up from. It's an 11 year old wrote a question. She's an 11 year old and she broke her mom's heart, and she says she doesn't care about me. How do I win her heart back? Now, how in the hell do you tell your? I can actually understand you get to the point where you can say you an 11 year old broke your heart. Right, they did something. They stole from grandma or something, right? You can you can get it. But it's the rest of that. To I, say that she, I don't <laughs> care. I no longer care about you. Yeah. And now you. That got, is your child. Yeah, you understand, and that's there's questions about. Do you understand how people get all screwed up mindsets? Get fear of rejection. Fear, that's a fear of rejection waiting to happen. Waiting to happen. It's already happened. It's already happened. How do I win my mother back at 11? At 11. Oh, my God. Poor thing. That's, that's, I, you know, I don't know if that's child abuse, but that's child abuse. I wouldn't say stayed involved with child abuse, but, you know, that's not something you get child taken away for, but that's something. That's emotional abuse. That's something that parent needs to get help with. Death. Now my guess is there's a there's a disconnect there. That sounds like there's something wrong with the parent. Yeah. Well the parent probably has their own issues. Needs to be dealt with. It may be the only way they know how to raise a child because that's how they were raised. How many of us can actually break out of you know the cycle, the pattern, the family pattern of Emotional abuse. Because we don't even want to call that emotional abuse, even though it is. Because that word abuse, that means the rest of us are kind of obligated to do something about it. But in this particular case, there's not much we can actually do, because anything we do is going to actually be worse. We don't have a system set up that's better. Our system's only set up to deal with, you know, is, is, is the worst. And probably rightfully so, but what do we do about it? How do we as a society deal with these things? How do we deal with these things that don't actually qualify as intervention worthy? As societal intervention worthy? Family, friends, sure. I don't know. I don't have answers. I ran for office. I don't have freaking answers. <laughs> we talk about this on the thing. I don't have answers to these questions. I just don't know. Have the discussion. And maybe smart people, enough smart people have enough discussions. Maybe we come up with something better than we got now. I don't have an answer. Hopefully someone can reach this parent at some point and get to this family before it becomes a disaster. That's a child in rebellion, teenager in rebellion waiting to happen. That was my greatest fear as a parent.
teenager in rebellion. So, anyway. Do we have anything happier? Actually, it's 28. Let's just go ahead and we'll take our break right now. And we are back and it is our custom. We'll do our own little bit of uh, advertising right now. You can visit us love at latenightlove.us, even though I haven't updated that in a, in a while. But I think I got it set up to auto-update, so I don't think I actually have to update it very much. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JazzRack. You can send Lovey a dear Lovey letter over at uh, love at latenightlove.us. And you can always find us and join our community over at anchor.fm slash latenightlove. We would always appreciate that. And we are going to come up with some new ways to kind of for you guys to help out. Those will be coming up soon. And I think... What you think? We're about time to restart these the daily doses. It's about time. I think it's about time to start daily doses. We're gonna start doing those again. I'll have to start just record some of those tomorrow. All right, so we can get them up for next week. All right. So we left off. That was a tragic letter of a that's just anyway. We'll leave that into history. All right. So we'll go back to. Which one do we want to do? Path to accepting inner demons and loving yourself. There's an article. It's again in the mighty. You can accepting my inner demons, inner demon and loving myself is the title. So you can just search that. And it's a story about how, you know, you get to the point where. And her inner demon was not actually an inner demon. It's just that inner battle that those of us with. Anxiety disorders or thought process issues, emotional processing issues, shall we call them, have to go through where you get to the point where, you know, you're having that almost constant conversation with yourself. You're telling yourself to battle that running dialogue, that running dialogue that's always running in the background. The, yes. the, ne the negative dialogue, not just the, the negative running. dialogue, yes. Not just the negative dialogue, it's like the imposter syndrome dialogue constantly over everything. And that was her inner demon. And so, you know, she was talking about you know, getting to accept that she's going to have to have this long-term conversation essentially never-ending and how do you accept it how do you end up how do you love that thing part of yourself how do you get to the point where you can love that part of yourself that drives you absolutely up the wall because you have to otherwise you end up hating yourself you can't hate part of yourself true 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 and, and get through life this, you know, with emotional stability, you can't do it. It's not possible. So how do you get to the point where you can accept and love that part of yourself? It's not an easy task. There's no simple journey. It's a long, lifelong struggle. It probably. is, yes. Yeah, but you have to accept it. And it's that, and oddly enough, once you 
love that part of yourself, it doesn't seem to need to express itself so much. It feels loved. It feels part of you. It no longer feels the need to interfere. Patting that dragon on the head. Yeah, it's, you know, something that's loved and honored and appreciated is much calmer than something that is constantly fought. The fight itself creates the fight. Yes. And that's why I like, I don't like this discussion we have when we talk about these. We always use fighting words. You know, we're, we're gonna fight this and, you know, we're gonna battle that. And it's like, I think that's the wrong mindset. Cause you, especially when it comes to talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fight myself. That doesn't seem like a very good idea. <laughs> just at the face of it. To me, it just seems like maybe a different mindset is required when you're dealing with these things. How do I come to be at peace with this? Yeah, how do I, how do I accept this so we can move forward? How do I work with this part of me? It's telling me something. Maybe I'm not understanding it. Maybe I'm not understanding what it's telling me. Maybe that's why it's continually interfering. You know, I didn't understand that I was in constant fight or flight mode, as an example. Well, once I understood that, it was easier to deal with, because I actually understood what I was dealing with. But you can't understand it if you're always fighting it. I didn't realize it until I stopped fighting it. Once you stop fighting it, then you can start having the conversation with yourself and you can start understanding. But if you go in there with guns blazing, you're not going to learn anything about yourself. You're just going to hurt yourself. So be kind when you're talking about your accepting your inner demon and loving yourself. You know, that inner demon is part of you. You cannot hate it. You must love it. Even if it drives you crazy. <laughs> Well, some days are better than others. Yeah, but it is you. And you're not going to be able to change it until you love it. It's going to resist. You know how I know? Because it's resisting right now. That's why you're having this discussion. <laughs> Been fighting it a long time, haven't you? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> tried that one I, I might work for somebody but I don't think it's a high percentage it's exhausting yeah and then there's that okay so what we got next we got how about mine which was that I'm 25 and I there tra- a 25 year old male and uh my parents don't like the fact that I'm straight. And this young man is asking for advice. He's 25. He's got a male friend. They're really close. They're tight. They spend a lot of time together, but they're both straight. Yes, that's what happens. And that's what guys do until they, one of them finds a girlfriend. Yeah, that's what happens. 
Well, his parents are, are getting upset with him because they feel he's not accepting that this is a romance. No, we call them bromances. Well, they did 15 years ago. They're, it's, this, which I'm surprised that it's her parents. Well, maybe her dad. His. Maybe his dad was, maybe his dad was, uh, young when he got married, so he did what didn't, participate or see much of it but and i was very young but i saw lots of my friends and so it's you need a running buddy through life right you need someone you can call on someone you can trust someone you can hang out with someone you can go have fun with and your best friend who isn't with somebody is that person (laughs) and if these people are nerds who aren't who are socially awkward and don't, and I'm just, I'm not a, it doesn't say, but it, at, at 25, you haven't had a girlfriend yet. You're socially awkward. You, you just are because ugly people. And you know, the only people who are at 25 who haven't had relationships are socially awkward. people. That's it. That ugly people have relationships by 25. It's just socially awkward. You can have an attractive person can not have a relationship by 25. It's just how the world works. So, but this, what's really is disturbing is this is just as bad as not accepting your child for being gay. Stop it. Exactly. <laughs> this is a perfectly normal male relationship. It's you hang out with your best friend until you pair off with a romantic partner. You hang out, you do everything with their thing until you don't. <laughs> how it works. It's just how it works. And I'm surprised that the parents don't understand this is part of human development. My guess is they got married young. Uh, and so they weren't part of it. That's just my guess. So they didn't see it. Because unless you see it, you don't know. So I can actually, but it's this desire. It's, there's a strange thing that's going on in the world today. It, it, you know, it's not our purview here, but it's kind of delves into close to politics when you want to cover. But this notion that you want your child to be one sexuality, one gender, or the other, knock it off. Let them be whatever they will be. Stop imposing your wishes on your children. <laughs> Stop imposing. You know, the world you grew up in is not the same world they're going to exist in, so leave them alone. You have to trust your child. He knows. Now, there is a po- now there is an underlying point. Some children, even in the most welcoming families, are reluctant to to come out as gay or bisexual or whatever, for whatever reasons. And families are scratching their head. Why wouldn't they? Because, you know, but, you know, but that's. They're also not ready to come out. They're not ready to come out. Yeah, then leave them alone. Well, and then some people are never in to come out, too. Never in. 
Yeah, you got his family sitting around waiting for him to come out. He's never in. Leave him alone. <laughs> Trust me, if him and his buddy had been hanging around for two, like, you know, together for 25 years, if they were that way, they'd have figured it out by now. Just saying. Leave him alone. Let him go bowling and drink beer and whatever it is they do. Without judging him. Good God. I just that's what I just don't think we we've got to this point where we're judging people based upon their sexual preferences and whatnot again. I thought we'd stop that. <laughs> I really did. I thought we decided that we weren't gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a memo. Someone <laughs> I thought we decided that was bad. I really did. I really thought we decided that judging people based upon their sexual preferences was a bad thing. Yeah, I thought we decided we weren't going to do this anymore. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I thought we weren't going to do that. <laughs> I thought that was. I thought that was bad. All right, so here's one. I never checked my 12-year-old daughter's phone. She was always with me, so there was no need to. But last night, I asked to use her phone for a minute, and she panicked. Why? Well, because she's 12. That's why. <laughs> she's 12. <laughs> well, because at 12 years old, everything is the most important thing you've ever had in your life. Because it is. Because that's all you've got. That's it. That's all you've done. <laughs> I mean, at 12... You probably haven't even played with yourself very much, so you don't even have that yet. It, you, so all you've got is your relationships with your friends. That's it. That's the only thing that's your own, generally your own, that your parents don't control, that somebody else can't control. Yeah, they're going to panic. And yeah, they're probably saying things about their friends and their teachers and their whatnot that they don't want you to know. You don't need to know. Just like all the stuff you said to your friends about that your parents didn't ever hear about, that you, you don't need to know either. <laughs> I'll never forget my mother found a note that my sister wrote. And there was some questionable humor in there. They, they had their own little sense of humor going on. And my mother found it offensive and she was alarmed and she, I was in the army and she called me up and she, what do I do? Keep your nose out of it. None <laughs> of your damn business. I mean, unless someone's getting hurt, it's none of your damn, unless you're talking about bullying somebody and you need to grab them by the ear. But the violation of the trust is far, is, 99 out of 100 times far more damaging than anything you're going to find. What, you mean in, in looking at the phone? Yeah. 99 times out of 100. So you only do it if you absolutely have a reason. If you think something is really mm -hmm. amiss. You know, it's funny. And I can tell my, I can say this. My children now, because my children are old, it's like I, you know, back when I was younger, I played in the hacker worlds. And so my kids knew this. And so they always thought I was hacking their stuff anytime I wanted to. I never actually did. Never did. Never had to. <laughs> I 
I could have. If I had wanted to, I could have hacked into the computers and find out whatever they were doing anytime I wanted to. I mean, I set up all their computers. I could have set it up so I could have done it. I did. Didn't need to. One, because they're so dang loud that you know anything they're applauding is going to hear anyway. So you know, it's not. <laughs> and you know, and, and they were quite open with how their discussions with their friends were. <laughs> like, do you people even like each other? I don't know how many times. <laughs> you know, and I remember boy culture, and so you know, I'd let it go for a long time. It's like, damn, but every now and again, you have to. Do people even like each other the way? Because you, you know, and I'm an old basketball player, and the crap we used to say to each other on the basketball court. So I kind of got it, but you know, you get older. You, I guess you understand, but you forget at the same time the intensity of it. They used to give as good as they got, though. I remember oh, yeah. Michael one time. They were really on him one night, and they're like, "Go eat something." I had to make him a burrito, and he sat on the computer. Mmm, it's a really good burrito. Taunting his friends. So it's just like. <laughs> so childhood culture is, I don't know, it's immature and it's supposed to be. And they don't want you to see that. And they should be, have, allow them to have their privacy, allow them to have their freedom. If you have something to worry about, then okay. But you said you didn't worry about anything. So why are you worried about it now? Because she panicked? Because a 12-year-old girl panicked that you wanted to look at her phone that you never look at. Yeah, yeah, it's just a 12-year-old girl panicking. 12-year-old, as far as I can remember, now you can be ever better than me. You raised three of them. I only raised one. But 12-year-old girls panic at the drop of, I don't know, the wind change. The moisture and the air changes, and it's going to mess with their hair, and they panic. Well, if it has anything to do with their privacy, yeah, they panic. Yeah, their privacy in their friend groups, if it's their friends, or their, especially girls. Guys don't give a crap. They just, they don't. They'll just be in trouble. They don't care. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> the girls, on the other hand, are different. Guys will just be in trouble. Yeah. Girls panic over everything. That's was my experience with these teenage girls and whatnot. They'll panic over absolutely everything. But there are no more angels. We all think these girls are more angels and less cause less trouble than boys. No, no, they don't. They're just smarter about it. They're quieter. They don't talk to anybody but their small group of friends. And boys are loud and boisterous and will tell every moron that they can talk to about that cool thing they just did about burning, you know, yeah, that accidentally set the, the yard, the, the empty lot on fire. Yeah, they'll tell everybody because they're stupid. So, the same. Well, what are y'all thinking? We're not. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> if we were thinking, then, 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 then wouldn't be in that position now, would we? All right, now here's one. Uh, uh, I should probably show this. 
a depression, oh, a depression chart. Let's see if I can bring this up. Okay. So this is, is a depression chart. Sorry, I should have prepared. Sorry. Um, now we're going to have to describe this for a uh, Our oh, podcast. this is really good. Our podcast viewers. It, it's it's, a, it's a, a, someone, it's again, I forget what the heck, oh, where was it that I found that one? Do we have it? Do you have it? Which one? The depression chart. Do we have where we got it from? Oh, here it is. That's again, it's from the Mighty again. It's from the... The uh, chart help others understand depression. The depression chart I made to help others understand my depression. So you've got level zero. You've got nice little smiley face guy. Life is good. Can't handle anything. They say how normal people start their day. Well, that's one of these things where I'm not entirely sure there is such thing as a normal person. So. I want us to be very careful about how we think about normal people. Those of us who start. Who yeah. Are you telling me that everybody, that the vast majority of people start the day is with life is good. I can handle anything that life throws my day every, every day. Well, 19% of the people have anxiety disorder. That's just anxiety disorders. 19%. So. So when we think about normal people, our version of normal people is probably skewed. So I just want us all to understand that. Double one. One N. I'm oh. not. I'm not. Sh I'm not sure if I'm really up to it. You feel distant and dis detached. Do Do you have a thing? What's the difference between one N and one D? Yeah, they're crying. You know, but no, but why is N signifying? What's D signifying? I don't have the. See if oh I'm, no, I don't know. All right, let me see because also the problem is when I look it up. There we go. Oh, D D is describes stages of a downward spiral. And the N is the design worsening stages of numbness. Okay. Okay, level N2. Sorry, today's not really a good day. Then you start to isolate and pull away. Uh, level 3N. I just can't do it. There's a loss of motivation and an interest in everything. And then level four and what's the point? Complete numbness. Cannot pull yourself out of bed. And then we switch into the downward spiral. Level 1D. Why does everything have to be so hard? Crying and struggling more than usual. 
level two D life stuff sucks. It feels like everything is falling apart and everything is harder than it should be. Um, yeah, and the and we'll say the the little smiley face guy is no, I can't say smiley face because only smiley face in the first picture. Uh, the little Pac Man guy type guy is uh, getting more and more distressed as we go along. This way, more and more tears, more and more distress. Just so we can describe the picture to our yes, level three D. I hate my life. I can't do everything like right. Everything becomes internalized. This is my favorite part right there when it's all internalized. Yes, my favorite. Level 4D. I can't take it anymore. I want to get up, give up, feeling everything too much, complete hopelessness. And that is a hard place to be. I don't wish that on anyone. No, depression is... Uh... No fun, especially if you have cause. I mean, clinical depression, depression for the sake of just being depressed is rough anyway. But if your life genuinely sucks, your family's sick and life has just come around and you, you've got every reason to be depressed, what will you do? There's situational depression, yes. Oh, because from it's my experience, because you know, it's, it's it's actually easier to deal with depression that has essentially no cause. Clinical depression, yes. It's it's because it's it's not really it's real because I'm feeling it, but it's also not real. It's mental. It's I can I actually control it myself. It's not the outside world. I can control all of it because it's me. Yes. You know, now I may fail at controlling it, but ultimately it's me. It's it's the situational depression where there's things that are out of your control and all you can really control is how you interpret it and how you deal with it and how you cope with it. And, and that's the best you got. And it just doesn't seem like enough sometimes. And it's hard to be that's where the hopelessness I mean, I can always get, as long as I can control it, as long as me is the one who's controlling, you know, as long as I'm the one failing, I can, don't have the hopelessness. The only time you can get to the hope, I get to the hopelessness, is when it's out of my control. I mean, there's literally nothing I can do. You just kind of have to deal with how you cope with it. Hey, and then that's yes, you know, and it's hard. Yeah. And, and how do you deal with it? I don't know. We just do in our own unique individual ways. If you're that bad, hopefully you've got a therapist, a counselor, chaplain, somebody who's helping you through it. Because trying to do that by yourself is a tough task if not impossible so shall I say and with impossible tasks comes the end of our show me and Lubby would like to thank you for taking the time to spend with us 
and we can catch us live at uh, facebook.com slash late night love you can always catch us live Saturday nights 10 p.m. you can catch the replays on the podcast at anchor.fm slash late night love you can find me at jazzrec on twitter you can send an email to lobby at love at late night love us and from all of us here at late night love please remember to love everybody have a good night sleep well bye